Hi, this is Bill Ringle, host of My Quest for the Best, where we meet business, thought, and community leaders to discuss issues relevant to entrepreneurial growth. Joining us today is J.J. Ramberg. J.J. is the host of MSNBC's Your Business, the only television show dedicated to issues affecting small business owners, and co-author of It's Your Business, 183 Essential Tips That Will Transform Your Small Business. J.J. has bounced between entrepreneurial activities and journalism throughout her career, having worked as a producer, reporter, and host for CNN and CNN-FM, a producer on Dateline NBC, and director of business development at Cooking.com. She's also a regular contributor to the Today Show on small business and financial issues. In 2005, J.J. and her brother Ken founded GoodSearch.com, a company which turns your everyday activities into ways to give back to your favorite cause. Welcome, J.J. Hi there. Thanks for having me on the show. JJ, when you were going out and getting your first job, did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I didn't. My first job was in journalism, um, not entrepreneurship. My first job out of school was the receptionist for NBC Nightly News. <laughs> At what point did entrepreneurship catch your interest, and how did you pursue it? I've always been interested in it simply because I grew up around entrepreneurs. So my mother was an entrepreneur, my father, my brother, both of my grandfathers. So um, it, it's certainly something that was always an option for me. And so I guess, you know, I always knew that if I ever had an idea that I wanted to start, I would absolutely go ahead and start it. So, you know, around 2005, so I guess a year before that, before we launched Good Search, my brother and I had an idea for our company, Good Search. Com, and the idea was that we wanted to do something game-changing in philanthropy, make doing good something that could be a part of your everyday life. So as soon as I came up with an idea, I was excited about it. I knew that we could just go ahead and start it, which we did. What type of skills did your brother bring to creating the company? Ken and I were, were a great match. Ken had founded, um, out of college, he had founded a company called JobTrack with my mother, they were co-founders, and, and what it was, was it became the largest online career center, basically, um, a job listing site for college and university students. So they started that and sold it to Monster.com. And so Ken had a lot of contacts in the Internet world. He had a very, and still has, an incredible business mind. He's incredibly creative. I came to it with, uh, I went and I worked in journalism for four years here at NBC, and then I went back to school and got my MBA at Stanford, and then I had gone to work for a startup called Cooking.com, and so uh, then I went back to journalism, and then we started Good Search together, so we, we just work really, really well together. What are some of the characteristics that you would say make you such a good team together? We trust each other immensely. We don't always agree perfectly on everything, but we have an open mind so that we can listen to each other, and I can listen to his reasons why he thinks something's good. He can listen to me. We're reasonable about it. Um, and we really have complementary skills. Um, so there's some things that he's better at. There's some things that I'm better at, and, and we know it and understand it. And I really respect him and, and he me, so I think that's really important. We also brought in a couple of years ago a CEO, Scott Garrell, who was the president of Ask.com, who now runs the company day to day. And he also, when we brought him in, it was a, a matter of, you know, do we think that we all have the same idea for this company? Do we trust you? Do we respect you? And obviously the answer was yes, and he's been amazing. So you started GoodSearch.com in 2005, did you think? Yep, 2005 was when it launched. What was it like getting it started? I'm sure that 
there were some challenges initially. What were some of those challenges and how did you address them? You know, we had a funny challenge with our company. So the idea behind Good Search is um, when it launched, uh, and it, we, it's expanded since then, but at launch what it was was a Yahoo-powered search engine that donated about a penny per search to your favorite cause. So basically you go onto Good Search, I mean, you still do this, you go onto Good Search, you choose your favorite charity or school, and then you make Good Search your search engine just as you would any other search engine. And anytime you search, a penny goes to your cause. So you know, you can search for Chinese food or dogs, whatever it is, Penny Goes to Your Cause. And we work with about 100,000 nonprofits and schools now. So you get to choose the cause you care about. If yours isn't already listed, you can add it. So the challenge that we had in the beginning was getting people to believe that, indeed, this was not too good to be true. Because as you can imagine, everyone would say, really? All I'm doing is searching the Internet and money's going to my favorite charity? No way. This, you know, this can't happen. And we'd talk to causes and they'd think, no, well, this is not going to happen. So in the beginning, you know, again, I said it's sort of a funny challenge to have. Um, in the beginning, it was simply telling people that, yes, indeed, this works. I, you know, we will be sending checks to your cause. You know, you don't have to spend a dime. Obviously, once, once it got going and people could see the earnings increase on the site, that was no longer an issue because people saw that it, it did work. Well, you came at it with a very, very big vision to do something that would be a triple win. It would be a win for the people who are searching, a win for the organizations, and then also a win for your company. How did you achieve that in such a short period of time to get so many people on board to know about a search engine when their habits were probably already pretty well fixed on Google or Yahoo or another search engine that they had as a habit? What did you do to take this on and accomplish this in such a short period of time? We were providing people something that they wanted, which was a way to support their favorite cause every single day. So we know that everyone has a cause they care about. You know, for some people it's saving animals, other people saving the environment, other people finding a cure for cancer. What people didn't have was a way to show their support every day, you know, when they didn't have money to write a donation check or time to go volunteer. And so so I think it spread so quickly because on, on the user side, we gave them a way to support a cause they care about every day. On the nonprofit and school side, we gave them a way to get support from their um, supporters without having to ask them for money again. So, you know, maybe after someone wrote a donation check, hey, do you know there's a way for you to support us every single day? And so it really spread by word of mouth um, in the beginning. And still, it, it still spreads by word of mouth. And that's how people got to know. I think we just, we just hit on a whole um, that people were experiencing. A lot of times when entrepreneurs launch companies, especially in the Internet space, they often go through pivots where they think their business model is approaching it one way and then they get customer feedback and they have to make an adjustment. Did you have any substantial pivots or was the model pretty much the same today as it was when you launched? You know, instead of pivoting, what we have really done is additions. So we started with Good Search again, and then a couple of years later, we just saw that there was more of an opportunity. Um, people wanted to do raise even more money for their causes. So in 2007, we launched Good Shop. The way Good Shop works is that uh, we've partnered with about 2,800 stores, everyone from Amazon to Zazzle, basically anywhere you shop online. And anytime you shop at one of these stores, a percentage of what you spend goes back to your favorite cause. So we started with Good Search, then Good Shop, then we added coupons to Good Shop because we um, realized people could save money, too, while helping their cause. And then after that, we launched Good Dining. So every time you dine out at 
more than 10,000 restaurants. The percentage goes to your cause. And um, as you can imagine, we're not done yet. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you have quite a stock of domain names just waiting to have uh, <laughs> a code product <laughs> attached to them. Us. We do indeed. And in, in the last seven years or so, what would you say would be one of the biggest surprises you encountered with running this company? Uh, my biggest surprise was in the beginning, I think, at how quickly it took off. This was typical startup like you'd read about in the encyclopedia. You know, I was working from my apartment in New York City. My brother Ken was working from home as well in L.A. And we were a very lean team. And just we had this idea. We put it out there. And it grew so much faster than I had ever expected it to grow. Was there a particular point when all of a sudden it took off? Like, you know, we talk about with hockey stick models where it goes along slowly, then all of a sudden takes a dramatic spike. Do you remember that point? You know what? We, like so many other people, owe our launch day to Daily Candy. So the first day we launched Good Search, there was uh, an article in Daily Candy about it. And it, we were just overwhelmed in a great way of people coming to the site and, and signing up their own causes that they care about and using it. Well, let's just cover one more thing about the site and the good work that you're doing there. You've raised over how much money and how many people are participating in this now? We've raised more than $9 million for good causes, and uh, last year we had about 15 million people use the site. But, you know, now is the time. Everyone's buying holiday gifts right now, um, but, again, all year, too. If You can buy every single holiday gift through Good Shop. You just click through to the store you want to shop at, and, you know, every gift you buy can give back to a cause you care about. And you have about a million people per month in traffic and growing? Yeah, there were about 15 million people last year. And what inspired you to go from that to writing your book? What was the inspiration for It's Your Business? I launched Good Search in 2005, and just a few months after that, I, was, I started working at MSNBC to host a show called Your Business, which focuses on small business owners, and it, it airs on Sunday mornings on MSNBC. And through my show, I traveled across the country, and I've interviewed thousands of small business owners about what makes their company run well, what are the challenges they've faced, how do they overcome these challenges. And I found so many times in my interviews, somebody would say something that I think, wow, that's brilliant. I need to try that in my own company. And they were these kind of you know, pretty succinct little really practical tips that made a big change in, in the way I ran my business. And so I thought, you know what, I've learned so many great things here. I want to compile this in a book. So with two producers on my show, Frank Silverstein and Lisa Everson, we decided to uh, write It's Your Business. And what was one of the tips that really was the tipping point for you that you said, oh, this is so cool or so great, I've got to share this. What's one of the ones that stands out? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So, so the the criteria for being part of the book is – You'd have to be able to read the tip, close the book, and do it. So these are not inspirational. They're not sort of things that you have to go stew over for months and figure out how to do it in your own company. They are really practical and actionable. So the criteria had to be that you'd say it to someone and they think, and their response was, wow, that's smart. Let me go try that. And so here I'll, I'll tell you a couple of my favorite ones. One of them was set expectations high from the start, and this is about managing your staff. And this comes from a woman I used to work with at cooking.com. And what she would do is every time someone new would start working for her and they turned in their first project, she, before even looking at the project, would say to them, did you do the best you could? 
So it wasn't condescending. She hadn't looked at the project yet. She just said, did you do the best you could? She said, if you haven't, that's okay. Go take it back for an hour, fix it up, and then turn it into me. And people loved it because basically it said to them, listen, I do not suffer fools here. I don't want to see any work that is simply satisfactory. I want to see work that is great. That's why I hired you. I know you can do it. So she basically set the bar really high for people and then helped them and encouraged them to reach it. That's nice because it also gives people a chance to reach your expectation and not feel discouraged by it, but feel challenged. Exactly. exactly. It's great because people like working in places where they know that the expectations are high, where they know they're going to be challenged, where they're going to learn, where people care about the work they're doing. And she really showed them, you know, just from the very beginning from this one statement, did you do your best work? She showed them that that's the tone we're setting here. What's another of your favorite tips? There's one that comes from Justine Stamen Ariaga, who runs an organization, or ran. She founded an organization called the Teak Fellowship here in New York City. And what she said to me is when people ask you or, or offer to help their organization because they like your mission or they like you, always give them three specific things that they can do. So, for example, you know, someone says, I love what you're doing. How can I help you? Say to them, you know, can you make an introduction to X person? Can you come over on Tuesday at 3 o'clock to look over my financials with me? Can you read over this press release? Whatever it is. She said, because what happens is while people, a lot of people may want to help you, you have to make it easy for them or else nothing will happen. Giving them three things, make sure that they'll be able to follow through with at least one of them. And also, um, on sort of the flip side, it helps you avoid that really awkward situation where people may be offering you help that you don't need, and then you have to turn them down. So true. And it becomes a partnership then, rather than just an empty offer. You say, okay, sure, here are the three things that we could use, and you probably have a contact I could meet, value your, an introduction, or feedback based upon your, your work experience. Exactly. And people are happy to help. When they offer to help, they generally really mean it. So what's an example of, of a way that you've been able to apply one of those tips or a different one in your own business? I'm sure you've taken these and used them and tested them out in your own company. In my own life, I've used, I've used both of those tips. I just used that one from Justine just the other day. Someone who I really respect and ran into said, I really like what you're doing. How can I help? And, you know, I was sort of humbled by his offer and wanted to just say, thanks, you know, how can you help? Because because he has such a wide experience and, and contact network. But, but I thought about that tip and think, if I put this into his hands, it makes it harder for him. So, and then, you know, the chances that he'll be able to follow through are, are smaller because it, it requires him having to think. So let me think for him about what he could do for me and let me offer those up for ways that he can help me. And it worked. That's great. And another tip that I read that I, I really liked was the one about the urban news, a woman, Tracy Pamperin in New Jersey. Can you talk about how she went out and made friends with her neighbors and used that to build her business? Yep, absolutely. She owns a spa, and she opened it in this town in New Jersey. And she basically went around and treated meeting people, um, other people on Main Street, like a cocktail party. She went and introduced herself to everyone. She told them a little bit about herself and about her business and asked them about themselves and their business. And again, treated it just like a cocktail party, going to meet everyone. And so she developed relationships with everyone on Main Street. This came in handy for her later on when she needed to work to change some of the parking rules in the town. And because she had developed all of these relationships, she could then go to other people on Main Street to say, hey, do you want to help me with this? And, and through one of these relationships, she got introduced to 
someone in, in the city who was able to help her change those rules. And if we just contrast those two tips, one is just about building relationships because you don't know what kind of help they could be down the road. And the other one is when somebody asks you how they can help giving them something specific. That's an important distinction, isn't it? It is. And, and I think that first one is, is really important, the building relationships, because you don't know how you're going to need them later on. And it's all about networking. And, and one of the other tips in the book, though, is don't think of everything as a quid pro quo, which I feel very strongly about. If somebody, you know, asks you for help, give it to them without thinking, what can they do for me later on? You know, building up a network and building up relationships is about getting people to help you later on if you need it, but it's also about you helping them. Absolutely, because that's the difference between really building substantial business relationships where you think of it as person-to-person -person versus a transactional relationship where someone's thinking about what they can get. Yep, exactly. And, I mean, that's how life is, right? You don't want all of your friends thinking, oh, you know, JJ's only doing this because she wants something back from me. That's a sure way to not have as many friends. <laughs> <laughs> when you were writing the book and putting them together, what are some of the patterns you noticed that could kind of serve to help people understand some major trends, ideas, or strategies if they looked across all of the tips? I mean, you've had the experience of, of doing this and thinking about it, and there are probably you know, two or three things that come to mind when you think about the theme through all of these great tactical things to do. You know what's interesting is these aren't trend-focused. These are kind of tried and true over time. So it doesn't matter if you have some kind of, you know, hot venture-backed tech company in Silicon Valley or if you have a dry cleaner in Cleveland. These are just good, practical, smart tips for just running a company, no matter what kind of company you have. And, and I'll be honest with you, we collected the tips, and then we put them into the chapters. So I could have, I, I could have um, organized them in, in 20 different ways. <laughs> Um, these tips. So what our, our, our real goal was finding the best practical actionable tips. Um, and then we went ahead and decided, okay, we wanted to split it up by funding and launching a new product or a company and being a leader and creating your team, et cetera. Let me change the question. Instead of strategies or trends, I think of them as themes. And one of the ones that, that comes out just through reading a, a few of the sections in here is the consistency theme where people who are successful in business are consistently reaching out, building relationships. They're consistently marketing. They don't think of these as one-time deals, but it's just part of who they are or something that they've committed to if it doesn't come naturally. Are there other observations that you've come across as you kind of get the benefit of thinking in deeply with these ideas and these practical tips? I think you're right about the consistency there. I mean, the, the people that I've met over time are really – really care deeply about their companies and about the success of their companies and about their employees. Um, and so I, I think what you're getting at maybe and what I found is that people are always striving to do better. Even if their company is doing well, they're striving, how can I make it better? How can I make my employees happier or keep them as happy as they are? How can I increase sales? How can I keep my customers happier? So never being complacent with the status quo. I, I think that's really true. We're all familiar with the statistics of companies that don't succeed and don't make it after a year, three years, five years. And, you know, it, it's quite devastating. So by applying these tips and applying the ideas of caring deeply, be consistent, striving to do better, those will really help entrepreneurs 
chart a better course for their business. Indeed, and you know, you mentioned it before, pivoting. So always being open to new ideas. Don't get tunnel vision because you think something is a good idea. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a market for it. What's a tip that you've come across that might be helpful for an entrepreneur listening to this, small business owner, who has never really tested the ideas that they are putting into the market? And maybe by gathering more information, they might be able to benefit and more closely market to the customers who are looking for their products and services in different ways? Um, sure. So there's one by Paige Arnoff-Fenn, who runs an organization, a company called Moguls and Mavens in Boston. And what she does is she goes on a listening tour. Um, she already has a couple. This is, this is worthwhile for people who are just starting out, too. Is She goes around and talks to customers or potential customers, in the case of someone new, and just listens to them. So doesn't doesn't tell them what she's offering, but talks a little bit about what she's thinking about and listens to them about what they're interested in and what they think they need. Once you hear from, from actual people, you can shape your idea or your product to fit what you find is important out there. We also have a tip about how to run a good focus group. And a focus group doesn't have to be something where you go spend a lot of money hiring a focus group company. You can do something very informal, offer people pizza or coffee and get them all together in your office or in your living room and, and and just throw some ideas at them and, again, listen to them. That's great. For people who are writing books, you've not only collected and, and written a really great tips in here, but you've also been successful in marketing the book. Was that a surprise to you realizing that marketing the book was perhaps, as some people describe, even more work than writing it? <laughs> it only wasn't because I've talked I've spoken to so many authors who told me that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, it's like any product you put out there. You you put the product out there, but if nobody knows about it, then matter it doesn't matter. What you need to do is is make sure people know about it so it gets into the hands of people who can benefit from it. And what were some of the best strategies you used in order to get visibility for your book? We did a lot of PR around the book. And we also um, we relied on our contributors to get the word out to people that they knew. Well, I'll tell you, I also love how you use the world of video to share your tips in short video clips and then use that to send people to the page about your book. Yeah, so a lot of these lent themselves to, you know, they're, they're quick ideas. And so we did some nice videos talking about the tip and where it came from, and, and we put them on my show, on your business, on MSNBC, and then also put them online so that people could share them. You know, once a product is done, everyone always thinks about how to add on or what they'd change with it. Do you have ideas about what you would do maybe as a follow-on to the book or what you would want to add to it that might be available on the website? What are your ideas for expansion beyond that? Um, well, we have a Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash it's your business book. And what we do there is we ask people to tell us if they've used the tips and how it's worked for them, if they have any variations on the tip, and also if they have any of their own tips. It should really be this, this um, you know, in essence, marketplace of good, actionable, practical ideas. Because something that I've learned can be really helpful for you in growing your business. And, you know, it's, it's great to share these ideas. So you're taking the approach of building a community around it, not just putting out content. 
Yeah, and we love to hear what people think about these tips. I love to hear someone say to me, hey, I tried tip number 43 and it really worked for me, or hey, I tried tip number 43, but I did this a little bit differently and it really worked. And my, my show on MSNBC is really all about you know, giving advice to people to help their businesses grow. It's, it's what I really care about, and so I love hearing from our audience and our readers about what they've learned. When you're looking for shows to broadcast and talk about ways to help entrepreneurs and share their stories about what they've done well in their business, what are some of the criteria you look for in order to find a good story that, that is inspiring for the show? When we do our profile pieces on the show, we always talk about a lesson. And we profile a company just so that we can teach the lesson. So as an example, I did a story on a hot air balloon company in Northern California. And the lesson we talked about was, how do you price your service? Um, so, so I want to find things that are transferable across industries and across locations so that a business in, again, you know, Cleveland could learn from a business in California. Right. So they could extract the ideas and then apply it in their own business and their own market. Exactly. What surprised you with the popularity of the show in terms of taking off and being um, embraced by people watching it? Um, well, I'm very proud of the work that, that we've all done here um, on your business. And there was really, there was nothing like this on television when we started seven years ago. Small businesses, such as you know, you know, such an important part of this economy. And running a business is incredibly exciting, but it's also incredibly hard sometimes. And it can be very lonely. And so we saw that there was nobody speaking to small business owners in the way that, that gave them advice and, you know, there's a team of us out there that are looking out to help you. And there, there's stuff like this in print, but nothing on television. Um, and so I'm, I'm just so happy we've been able to build this audience and provide people information that they find helpful. JJ, you talk about bouncing back and forth between entrepreneurship career and a journalism career. How do you stay productive and on track? Are there things that you do on a daily basis that help you stay productive and on track? To-do lists. Lots of them. <laughs> it is the only thing. It is the only thing that um, allows me to remember what I need to get done. I also put everything in Outlook. So, you know, from call the washer repair person to do an interview with someone, whatever it is, it goes on my to-do list and then my calendar. It works for me. Well, JJ, you've shared so many great ideas with us today about starting your company Good Search, about making the transition and taking the step to really share the ideas of small businesses in a way that hadn't been done before with the TV show on your business. You've talked about the criteria for the tips in your book of making it easy to read, close the book, and then go do it so that they're quick action oriented. And some of the tips that you shared were terrific ideas that people listening to this show will surely benefit from. Everything from setting high expectations and how to have that conversation with the first project and ways to talk to people who offer to help. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas with us on my quest for the best today. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you.